Okay, so there was Baruch Hashem, a number of, of different questions came in, some new ones, some old ones. We'll try to go through as many as we can. Be'ezer Hashem. There was some that was halachic, and I'm going to, some we'll touch on a few of the halachic points, but I want to really focus on some of the more mashkafa uh, points. This is something which I think is a very fundamental, very broad-reaching question. I just want to focus on this for a moment. I'm going to read the whole thing. It's a long question. We hear so much nowadays about the depth of Hashem's love for us, the spark of divine within each person, how forgiving Hashem is, etc. When I listen to Laney and Shul, learn passion inside, there seems to be a disparity between the way Torah Shabbat Sav is written and these foundational hashkafas that our generation emphasizes. Yes, there are psukim that talk about Hashem's love for us. I wonder looks carefully can find many proofs of these concepts. More often, than, more often, the sense that one gets through a surface reading is that of the misconceptualized image of God sitting on high with a lightning bolt waiting to strike us, anyone who disobeys. How do you reconcile this seemingly disparity, and why was Torah Shabbat presented in a way that doesn't overly demonstrate the deep truths that our generation is rediscovering? So I think this is a, it's a very fundamental question. I think there's a lot in this. I want to focus on one point specifically, Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat and the relationship between them, is the Pesukim, and there's certainly often things that are not explicit in the Torah, Tanakh, anyway, Torah and very often are brought out in Torah which is Chazal, etc., and sometimes seem to be, need to be reconciled in this case specifically, we're dealing with the way Kosh Baruch interacts with us, etc., and how do we put those two things together? And I want to make a very significant point in terms of you know, unfortunately, part of what was done away with by some of the other movements in Judaism was Torah Shabbat Peh. And Torah Shabbat perhaps can be still accepted and, and appreciated on some level, but Torah Shabbat Peh was somewhat done away with. And the relationship in Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat Peh is a very fundamental relationship. You know, we think sometimes it was like, there was Torah Shabbat and like Torah Shabbat Peh was like almost like a secondary thing that the Rabbanin came and tried to translate Torah Shabbat Peh. That is a misconception. Torah Shabbat Peh was given at Sinai. Torah Shabbat and Torah was all given at Sinai. The Gemara says clearly that every aspect of Gemara was given at Sinai. It wasn't recorded, obviously, and it's all the halachas that in Torah Shabbat is all given on Sinai. So why wasn't it written down? There's something very crucial about the why Kodesh Baruch was structured to have Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat two separate entities. I want to take an example. And really, this example proves that there has to be a Torah Shabbat which, which accompanies Torah Shabbat If not, it makes no sense. So one of the famous examples that the Sfarim point out the Torah says you should tie on your hand and on your head something. What do you tie? An orange? Right? That doesn't say what you tie. Right? Nothing about what you tie. Furthermore, the Torah says you should shecht kasher of the pasuk like I commanded you. Nowhere in the Torah does it say how to shecht. Nowhere in the Torah does it say what the details of shechita are. There are many, many places in the Torah where you read the psukim themselves 
and there's nothing there that we, sh- we give you any understanding of what happens and what you're supposed to be doing, what the mitzvah is, very little detail, which itself indicates, clearly shows us, there was a Torah Shabbat Pat that came along a Torah Shabbat It came along, and it was, it was given at Sinai. Why? Why did Kodesh Baruch set the structure of Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat Pat? Just say everything in Torah Shabbat Why do you have to have two structures? And the answer is, that, one of the answers is, is that this necessitates having a Masorah, having things passed down in Masorah, which means if I can have everything in a book and everything is there and written, and you could just hand it from person to person, you lose out of Masorah. It doesn't necessitate having a Rebbe, having someone teach it to you. I can just read the book and I'll get all the basics and everything that's, be, that's supposed to be taught. Torah can't be handed down that way. The lack of having a Rebbe to a Talmud, Rebbe to a Talmud, would undermine the entire concept of the Torah, of how things are supposed to be done. And the Torah necessitated, we need to have a Rebbe teach us what Torah means, what Torah is saying, what, how to understand it. And that was given by pet. that was given by heart. That means that was not written down, it was given Rebbe to Talmud, Rebbe to Talmud, which necessitates having a Rebbe, which... The reason for that is, is, is probably clear to all of us is that having book knowledge is not the, the goal, certainly, of, of or the only goal of Torah. Having a Rebbe who can be a living example for us of how and what and where we do things is a necessity. And the way Torah is transmitted in seeing it in live flesh and blood, seeing a person who personifies the, the concept of Torah, that's the way Torah is supposed to be handed down. And that necessitates having a Rebbe and that necessitates that you can't learn Torah Shabbat without Torah Shabbat It's impossible. And that's the way it was for many, many, many generations. It's true. At some point, Torah Shabbat had to be written down. Right? There was a, what's called the Islas Roslashem, the Gemara says, that the Gemara is written down. We have the Gemara, Mishnah is written down, and many other things as well. That was a necessity because if not, Torah had been forgotten once we were spread out among the entire world. It's very difficult to maintain the accuracy of Torah, so it was written down for the sake of keeping things accurate. But even with that being said, the Mishnayas, the Gemara, are very, very cryptic. They're written in a very difficult language and very cryptic, intentionally. Even though the words are there, but it still necessitates having someone to teach, having someone to transmit, having someone to give over the Masura. And therefore, this seemingly sometimes disparity in these two worlds, of Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat it's true, much is not going to be there, and much came out from Torah Shabbat whether it's Gemara or Chazal in general, and that was by design, a necessity, and the ultimate goal, or certainly one of the ultimate goals, is to be able to have the importance of Masar, of having a Rebbe, having it passed down. Okay, I think there's an important concept, and again, anything will stop me at any point, um, please. Uh, not, not married to these papers. Okay. A question which was both this month and last month, it probably could be from the same place, but we discussed this a little bit on the Shabbos here once, and I want to just delve into this again, about finding the balance of how much to take on and how much to give yourself or others. Okay, this is a very, I think, basic question which we all struggle with on some level, is that we all want to be giving, we all want to be doing outside of our family, outside of ourselves, something which is, we're all wired that way, who 
made us have a a, a desire to want to be similar to him, just to give and to give and to give. And that often means giving outside of our family, giving outside of, of, of our immediate circle for the community or beyond. And how do we balance that, which the idea of, of taking on and how much to, to focus on ourselves personally, focus on our family and striking that balance in a healthy productive way it's a, it's a very very fundamental question I want to touch on something which I shared on that Shabbos when this first came up that's one of the impetuses for this, for this share and then we'll, we'll build on that so I, I referred, I referenced then a article which was in Shabbat magazine which, which was a question that was asked as follows the question was a, a woman who was running if I remember correctly, the detail is running, I think, the Chavar Kaddish in her town. And it came to the point that she felt it was just too much and, and it, was, it was just taking over her life. But she said if she gave it up, she felt it would fall apart. I'm sorry, it could be with Bikachol. I'm sorry, I think it was Bikachol, not Chavar Kaddish. Bikachol. in her town. She felt if she would give it up, it would fall apart. All that was being done, the incredible work that was being done, would fall apart. No one was going to take it over. And she felt, on one hand, the responsibility of keeping this going. It was an important need, taking care of families, helping out people. On the other hand, she felt that it was too much and her family was suffering, her kids were suffering. It, it was too much. So what does one do then? That was, that was the question that was, that was asked. So I responded as follows, and I think this is, this is maybe a, a building block for this question. In this case specifically, and in any community need, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't need us to take care of his needs. All the needs that Kosh Baruch Hu has in this world, whether it's Bikacholim or Chavakadisha or any other need, Kosh Baruch Hu has ways of getting it taken care of, even without us. I know that sounds humbling. I know it sounds a little bit like, you know, really? God can survive without me? Yeah, he can. Good. He'll, he'll manage. He'll figure it out. He'll figure it out, and he doesn't need us to take care of it. Which means by definition, when a person starts saying that, but I can't give this up because it's going to fall apart, Kosh Baruch will take care of that. He'll, he'll, pick up, he'll pick up the pieces, and I'll figure it out, and right, it's not going to, nothing's going to happen that's not supposed to happen. That's, that, that's point A. And therefore, when we balance, whether it's community or chesed, or anything which is outside of our of ourselves, there is no question that if we have the ability to do so, time, koach, resource, all we have the ability to do it. Of course, it's a wonderful, incredible endeavor to be and give of our time, of our resources, of our efforts, of the things that we want to be helping out with, for sure. But as soon as it starts cutting in to the ability of ourselves to be focusing on our family, focusing on ourselves. And as soon as that starts happening, then that is not a place where we, or HaKadosh Baruch Hu, want us to be getting involved in. And yes, there is no question that the hierarchy starts. My first ultimate responsibility is to myself. To myself. It means making sure I... I'm a healthy person, and 
take, I have the, the headspace, I have the ability to focus on the things that I need to focus on, to manage the things that I have to manage, to take care of the things I have to take care of for myself. And that takes a certain amount of what's called a chavas adas, right? A person ability to think clearly and focus. That's the person's first responsibility to themselves. Once that's taken care of, they can focus on someone else. Like in my family is the, the next, obviously, place I can go to. If I am not taking care of myself, I can't take care of anyone else. It's impossible. So as, I, as soon as I can go beyond that, I can focus on outside. Step after step after step, going beyond that. But each step of the foundation has to be focused on first before I can move on to the next step. And there's never a place where I can say that, but this will, won't be taken care of, this won't happen. Okay, so it, it won't. Someone else will. It'll be figured out. Kosh Baruch will, will, will figure it out. And the truth is, is, this gets even more important, is that if we're not taking care of ourselves, I can't have the ability to do for anyone else. And each person, yes, takes sometimes being honest with ourselves, sometimes consulting with others, how much, you know, just to figure what's out, what, yeah, we are, how, all those things are important questions. But if the hierarchy and the foundation is not going to be focused on first, and I'm not going to take care of the, the bottom lay, layer of the foundation and build upon that, the entire building is going to crumble. And the foundation is not there, the building is going to crumble. And I think there's something which, which is, is a natural struggle Right? It's a natural struggle because you all want to be doing and accomplishing and giving, etc. And we need to first make sure that the foundations are going to be set in stone strong and, and that we can build upon that and go beyond that. Until then, I think it's, it's just an impossibility and very often counterproductive and, and destructive if the foundation is not going to be in place and it won't be real, as solid as it needs to be. Can I ask a question? Sure. Let's say someone was doing something, right? And then they said, too much, I can't do it anymore. And they stopped, right? And then the thing fell apart. Like, what's, what, are we, what do we do with that? So I think it's back to the same point. It's okay. Right. It's okay. Right. It's okay. Right. Let go of right. the guilt. Right. That, that means, <laughs> what? So let go of the guilt. Right. Let go of the guilt, for sure. Right. You need to let go of the guilt because right, that need, Kosh forgot, either it wasn't the need or if it's if it's a who feels it needs to be taken care, taken care of, it will be. It's going to be. Like it's not my right. responsibility. It's not my responsibility. My responsibility starts off from the bottom of the totem pole. Right? The, my foundation is myself, building, 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 and the things I'm responsible for directly is me, myself, and my immediate circle. That's what I'm responsible for. And myself before my immediate circle, even, because I'm not focusing on and taking care of myself. I can't take care of my immediate circle even beyond that. Nothing beyond that is my responsibility. Even though I was doing it, I was taking care of it, I was worried about it, okay? But once I can't, now I'm putting it back where it belongs, in the hands of a Kodesh Baruch And I should not feel right, like no guilt, that's where it belongs, and that's what I'm, I should, not just should, I need to be doing. I'm going to do that. Can I further the question? Yes. Can you, how does that, like, um, letting go of that responsibility apply. This is like talking about outer community. What about like within your family, within your marriage? Like, how do you you totally feel guilt if you feel like, my gosh, I have to leave my kids with a babysitter screaming, crying, or because I need to take care of myself? Right. Or 
Right. So, so I think guilt is the, is the key word over there. No, it's, it's true. That guilt is a key word. Um, and that's, I think, where we get stuck. But at the airplane example, right? When they tell you on the airplane with the masks, right? When it falls down, first put on yourself and then take care of the people next to you. If, right, if we're not going to be in a place where we can be taking care of ourselves and be in a place that we can't take care of our children, and yes, yeah, so right now, the child may be crying, may be upset, and maybe you should upset that. But if we, again, with the chesed, and we did, we just we realized, and we did this in honest introspection, and this is something that I need in order to be a healthy person to be able to get what it, to give my children, then I, I shouldn't feel guilty. I should feel I'm doing them the biggest chesed. And as much as they're screaming, tell yourself I'm doing them a chesed now. Because I am allowing myself to be a proper person to be able to give to my children. And the Gemara calls this a very interesting line. The Gemara calls this, you read the Shittah Haliyah. Sometimes we go down for the second going up. Right? So sometimes we, we, we go down. Right? It seems like it's... Right? And that going down is really for the second going up. And that, I think, again, guilt is where Yitzhar is great at that. He's awesome at, 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 at making us feel guilty. Right? Two things he's great at. Guilt and making us feel despondent. Right? Those two, he has used those tools and, and all the time. And guilt is a great tool, which he uses well. But I think that if we really can be, understand what we're trying to accomplish, that can take away the guilt. You know, the idea of when a person sometimes goes away for a day and says, how can I leave my children? Right? That, that concept. And again, when there's a, if something important is being accomplished, because sometimes, whether it's for a couple who are going away for a day and leaving their children behind, and, and I've heard time and time again, but I never leave my children. You know what? I'm not sure you're doing children a service by, by, by doing that. I don't believe you are, right? It, it's, it's, it's true. It sounds like a wonderful, altruistic place. If the result of that is that there's something like, that's not being accomplished in terms of the foundation, then who are we doing a service? We're not, so we're not giving that. And it's really coming from a place of like, from a place of, of either guilt or sometimes misguided priorities in terms of what we're trying to accomplish. And I think that if, if we keep our priorities foundational right, steps upwards, we'll be able to have a different perspective and not feel guilty and, and feel I'm doing, the, I'm doing them the biggest chaser. Not just myself, I'm doing them the biggest chaser, right? children or otherwise. Right. Could I just ask something? Yeah. Um, what about like the opposite? Like, how do I know if maybe I should be doing more? Like, um, you know, when you look, you know, look outside. Let's say my own self, and I see like you know these people are very involved in the community, or right. very involved in you know making suppers with or this or that. Like, and so I feel guilty in the other way. Like, maybe I should be doing more. Like, how do you know? Guilt comes back. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. But yeah. can yeah. guilt be like just like all medias like could be channeled? Can guilt be channeled yes. from positive? Of course, I and mean, guilt is a, is Kadosh Baruch Hu gave us his mida. It's it's a it's a right, it's, both, it's it's a motivator. Guilt is guilt, right. No, no. Guilt. There is something called there is healthy guilt when when the, when the when the Gemara talks about that a person did something which was incorrect and feels guilty about that. That is a proper and appropriate guilt. I did something wrong, and I should. I should, I should exactly, it's one of the steps of tshuva. It's impossible to do without that. So of course, guilt has a place. Guilt has a very appropriate, important place in the structure of life. It's very healthy, but I think 
maybe I was overemphasizing the, the G word, but it's not, it's, it's, right, there's healthy guilt, and unhealthy guilt. I think the Yitzhara is very good at using unhealthy guilt. That's what he does. It's shame versus guilt. Right, okay, it's, it's true. It's, it, right. I mean, it, it's, the word is, the word, the word is, right, the word, the word is right. It's, it's, it can be helpful when you, when you give that difference in, in, in translation, but yeah, but it's, right, so guilt that has a place when it's, when it's healthy. But going back to the question, I think it's an excellent point. And in, I think we have to something, something to ask ourselves of where is the holding back coming from? A person feels the holding back. I'm not doing maybe this or that, whatever. I'm seeing outside of myself. So where is it coming from that I'm holding back? And it takes a real honesty with oneself. Am I holding back because it's, yeah, it, it's just I think it's going to be too much? And I don't want to bite off more than I can chew. And I feel that things are in a stable place, in a healthy place. And I do go beyond where I am today. They may end up being unhealthy. Or is that sometimes, you know, it's just, it's just easier that way. Right? And we all struggle with things that are just easier versus healthy. Right? More proper. And, and it's really you know, an honesty question. And thinking about what's holding me back. What's holding me back? And if what's holding me back is... Because really, I, I know deep down this is not good for me. I know deep down that doing that is going to really take me to a point where I'm going to be doing too much and too involved and too much time, etc. That's coming from a healthy place. If it's sometimes you can look inside and say, you know what, I probably could. Maybe there is place. And we can move one step forward, not you know, take 10 steps, but one step forward, and then and, and see where that lands us. And there's a land, this is a place where it's comfortable and it works or is it going beyond the point where it's healthy and that's where the, the, the balance of thinking what, what's holding me back and, and trying to really define that for ourselves and, and really being honest with ourselves which might not be so simple that was so easy question yeah okay but it's not exactly about guilt but just the whole thing about we discussed last time also like the date night and the going away and how important it is right so let's say i get that but also not just like i feel guilty with my kids and they're crying but like literally i hear from teachers like oh my gosh she was miserable today and i come home and this one has strap and that one isn't like when i leave there are actual effects that sure. are negative so like at some point it could just be like Really, it's just not worth it. Like, it's more stressful to go away than not. And like, kids acting up. You can't get strapped because you went out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I know, but I would have caught it. Also. Meaning, he right. came home um, and he's all you know, like, I'm his mother. I know what he's like when he gets right. strapped all the time. Or like, just acting out in class. Like, let's say the last time we went away, for example, I heard from three separate yeah, teachers. Yeah, I was great. <laughs> 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 so now I know, but other kids, like three in your class. Three separate teachers that, like, three of my six kids were miserable. And then I heard from the baby, from Adina Mar- like, not even just the older kids, but, like, like there was, she was off, there was something wrong. So, like, maybe it really just isn't right. It's a great question. question. I think we have to look at long-term versus short-term. Right? That means the average child, when a parent goes away, is not going to be the same. That's without question. And if it wasn't that way, something wrong. Right, right. There's some, there's some, there's something wrong. Right, this, this doesn't make sense. Right, this, this shouldn't be that way. Right. If it, if a child, a child if, a, if a parent went away and the child was just so, oh, that's cool. Right. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. Right. So, I have some like that too. They feel. It, I promise they feel it. And and the, the, every some way it just plays out differently. But right, the long term effect of that 
I think we can say pretty confidently that for the average child who is a healthy child, and that it's going to be okay. Right? The child will be okay. After right? true that day was a little bit rocky, it'll be okay. And we have to weigh that versus the long-term effects of, in the case of going away, of what was that accomplishing. And there are certainly situations and scenarios where that one day can have an effect, not just for a day, but for a month or six months. Or, right, and, and it can really do that if it's, again, if, if the power of that is something which is significant and is giving us such an inner foundation whether ourselves, in our marriage, whatever it may be, so then the, 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 the weighing of one versus the other, one is a short-term, not-so-great feeling that the child had, which is, we feel bad and we don't want, but the long-term effects of that are, are, are significant. And we weigh one versus the other. I think, that, you know, if, again, if, they weigh, if they're not outweighing the other, then you're right. right. If the long-term effects of this child of going away is going to be so distract, so disastrous for this child, then, yeah, but I think, in, and again, in most cases, it's a very, very short term versus a potential and hopefully a long-term gain. So I think that's where we have to look at it. You know, though. Can I also just say that? It's also the amount of time. I'm saying it's not, you're not leaving every week or every month. Right. Like, so it's... Right. right. You're not leaving for 10 days or right. two weeks. Like, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Recent conversations and, you know... It seems almost like a fad that we have to go away with our with the spouse. Is that is, does everyone need that? Is that something that like is a foundational couples thing that we should, we're supposed to be doing? What if you don't necessarily like? Is, is there something missing out if you don't? It's it's, it's a great question. I want to differentiate between need and something which is very different than a need. But an enhancement. I, I agree. It's, it's, to say that it's a need for every couple to go away, I, I wouldn't use the, it's a very strong word. I, I wouldn't use the word need. Do I think that every marriage would be benefit greatly from that? Enhanced by that? I do think, yeah. I think the answer is yes. And the answer is yes. That means there's something to be said for the fact that Baruch Hashem, we live very busy lives and we're always doing involved, going places. And the ability just to be on an oasis, on an island, even for 12 hours, even for, even for an hour, right? Or, right? But, there, there's that, that hour, you know, right, but it's, it's, but right, but like... it's very different. In other words, that there's, there's the hour, we'll call it, right, which is... And then the, when it's the 12, 24, 36, 48 hours, depending on what's feasible, doable, it makes sense, I'd call them more an island than just an oasis. Right, island has a different level of, of what it can give to a person, and I think the level of enhancement that it can afford to a relationship is something which is significant. So I wouldn't use the word need. I think it's something which is very, very, very valuable. And if we can afford it, I don't just mean, I mean monetarily. I mean afford it in terms of all the pieces that it takes, which hopefully it, it can work. I think the effort and the investment is very, very worthwhile. I don't know that we... Uh, what what new means in the 10 years? Like, I grew up with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, so it might be different I families. Me and right. my husband both, both right. didn't necessarily... So that might be a family thing. I, I, I did grow up with it. My parents did right, go away and different you know, occasions and snaps. I did grow up with it, so it could be just more right, 
familiar to me because I, I, I did. It's something which I, I did see in my parents' house. And I don't know how if it went back to Europe. I don't know, right? But <laughs> but right, I, don't, I don't think in the Stadtel, right, the there, there weren't wasn't much going on besides the horse and buggy, and right, and right, just focusing on getting through the day. So it was definitely a different reality. But I don't think it's just a you know a 2023 uh, phenomenon. I don't think so. So is there Masara going back to Mishrabeinu again? <laughs> but. I'm not sure if we need that. I think I think we do see, and again, our, our worlds are very different than they were. Certainly, going back, right? To the shtatl for better and for worse, which is very different. The busyness of our lives is, is is very, very, very different, and I think that creates a certain level of of I don't want to use the word need, but a certain level of importance in terms of what this can accomplish. And I, I think that is is invaluable and should not be underestimated. Okay, two. Um, I want to focus on this question. I think it's an interesting question. It's a little a touchy question, but I think it's an important question. Is using birth control a lack of betachon? Are we meant to have large families or limit the size based on what we think we can manage? What if Hashem thinks we can manage more? I think it's a very important question, very fundamental question, and you know it touches upon a number of different things. Betachon, where Kodesh Baruch Hu fits in, managing right a lot of the things we just spoke about. In the past things, I think really this is a segue to this, and the answer is, I, mean, I think, is a lack of betachin. The answer is no, definitely no. It's not a lack of betachin, and that's not coming from a lack of betachin. We'll talk about you know, you know, place where, what, when, and why. But certainly, there's a place for it, and a place where it's not for it. I want to just you know, give some some background. The second part of the question is: Are we meant to have large families? It's a very very um, are we meant to? The mitzvah proof is the man's mitzvah. Correct, it is. Right, woman is the is the facilitator for that, and obviously it's right. It's impossible without the female component. But yet, yeah, the mitzvah itself is the is the is the husband's mitzvah. Yeah. So it's a very you know strongly worded question. Are we meant to have large families. So first of all, the word large is very relative. What does large mean? Right? Large can mean for different people a lot of different things, and. It's hard to say, I don't want to put numbers to that because that's ridiculous, right? Well, are we meant to have X amount of children? Of course not. There's no meant. However, the Gemara tells us, and Gemara, there's two mitzvahs actually. There's a mitzvah, what's called Puruhu, which is a mitzvah having children, which is having a boy and a girl. Now, obviously, it's not fully within our control. Right? This is a Kashparuch, who is the one who decides number, obviously, the gender, and decides the, right, the amount of children that a person, right? Are possible to have, so not all not all that's within our control. But the questions regarding birth control, so obviously to that extent, it's within our control. Right, to some level, it's within our control. So that's mitzvah puruvu. There's another mitzvah called the shevis, right, which is the based on this pasuk in in, in Tanakh, right, that kashbaruch bara l'shevis yitzara. Kashbaruch didn't create the world to be desolate; he created it to be populated. And the Gemara learns that from there. It's a second mitzvah. Even beyond having a boy and a girl, which is a mitzvah puravu, that if one could have more children beyond that, that is part of a Kodesh Baruch Hu's purpose of creating this world. To create people who he can be made to, who he can give to, which is 
the goal of this world, why we're all here, because Baruch wanted a gift to us, and again, it's not going to the homeless seals of Sharmay now, but obviously a desolate world is not Kosh Baruch Hu's design, it was the world to be populated, and therefore our part, our role in that is bringing children into this world as much as we're able to, we have the, the, the ability to do, to go and bring into this world for Kosh Baruch Hu to be native to, to be able to give to. That's the Gemara says in terms of these two mitzvahs, Puravu and the Shabbos. Now that means that all things being equal, right? if a person has the ability to have more children, the answer is that's something which is certainly part of the design of this world and why we're in this world. Not just we, not just women, men, women, why we are in this world. Every person is in this world, not just to be ourselves of the Hashem, but to create further of the Hashem. That's part of our goal and mission in this world. And as much as we have the ability to do that, that's what Kashparuch wants us to be doing. Now, ability, obviously, is a very, very, very difficult question. Right? What does ability mean? Where does that, how do, we, how do we define that? How do we decide that? So, of course, there's no simple answer to that question. How do we define right, my ability? But at, at every stage in life, a person should and needs to be asking themselves the questions around is this something which is going to be, in the bigger scheme of things, able to do? Can I? Not can't I, can I? Do I have the ability to do it? Now, of course, the person's, every person has limited kochos, limited headspace, limited emotional abilities. We're all, we're human beings, we're all limited. And because we're limited, that means by definition, we help, we'll have situations where it's just not, it doesn't make sense. It's going to end, end up being counterproductive to ourselves on one level and to our children that we may have currently and to future children, right? And it's counterproductive then we're not accomplishing the goal of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Kosh Baruch Hu's goal was to produce Ovdei Hashem. And if the result of having another child will be counterproductive towards that mission, because I don't have the ability, ability again, emotional headspace, physical headspace, all the abilities in my, my, my wheelhouse to do that, that's counterproductive to the mission. And that's where the question comes in, in terms of person deciding and making a decision of is this right? So are we meant to have large families? The answer is that Kosh Baruch Hu wants us to have as many children have the ability to bring into this world to be over the Hashem and serve Kosh Baruch Hu. That's 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 our goal. What if Hashem thinks we can manage more? Right? So we don't know what Hashem thinks, but we do know that we have to be honest with ourselves. And very often, honest with ourselves means a discussion with a spouse, that's probably the first place it starts, and then very often getting outside perspective in terms of making sure that we're actually being honest with ourselves in terms of this question. It's a very, very loaded question. It's a very broad question. It has a lot of aspects to it. And all those things have to be taken into account in terms of is this going to be productive and bring further over the Hashem into this world or potentially counterproductive. And if the answers can be further productive, so then, yes, that's part of our mission, and it's probably our most fundamental mission in this world, is bringing over the Hashem into this world. So the idea of, you know, we're... I want maybe one caveat also to add to that, because it mentions Betachon. I don't generally... Finances and financial ability is generally not a factor. It should, should not be a factor. Now, 
the problem is, and, and the challenge is that very often finance is very much related to everything else we're talking about. Persons, uh, it, it overlaps with emotional and physical. So that's where it gets confusing sometimes. Is this really, is it purely financial or is it? Kashmir right? will provide what we need to be able to go and bring over the Hashem into this world. If it's the, the financial stress will end up causing different things, such as emotional and physical lack and that so that's going to be tricky in terms of you know but just the financial piece by itself is that the numbers don't add up and it's not really a cheshben that a person should be taking into this into this cheshben and to making into the this accounting but my our family's ability to be able to bring over their into this world that is really our, our goal and therefore there's nothing a lack of betachet and in cases and just going to the opposite side now, in certain cases, it is not just not a lack of betachon, in certain cases it's right and appropriate and the, what a person should be doing. And I think erring, erring, is that the right word? Right, on both sides is disastrous. Meaning that a person making the mistake of limiting children when they have the ability to have more and they really can and it, 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 it fits the equation of what we're saying, obviously is a serious error because it's taking away their ability to bring Ovdei Hashem in this world. But sometimes the opposite is true as well, is that not limiting it when it should be is just as a serious error because that's something which has also disastrous results and is counterproductive to our mission. So on both sides of the coin, it, it, it's, it's a fine line in terms of figuring out the right balance. On both sides of the coin, the error is significant, and the error is, I want to use the word disastrous, because it is, it's something which is so significant that it's, it, that, that it's something which is, needs to be really treated with that weight, that heavy weight of really making sure I'm approaching this properly. So I think that's the overall perspective um, in terms of this question, dealing with the betachan aspect, the what Chesh Baruch wants, etc., and uh, hopefully that gives a, a somewhat of a clear perspective. Yeah. From experience, sometimes like, I don't know, for me anyway, being on, you know, going through birth control or something like that is like, makes you think that you're in control sometimes. And I feel like the bitachon aspect, like, comes in when it's like, you know, like, just because, you know, when's the right time and when's not the right time doesn't mean you're actually in control of when and how. It's it's a very significant point. Yeah. 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 Um, I I just find... I'm just like a lot of thoughts as you're saying all these things, and I'm just thinking that that like how do you know like if you're going to be functional? Like you don't really know right. what. <laughs> no, no, really, like right. you don't well, know what's right. in store. As soon like, as someone so, gives you crystal ball, and, and right. you'll be you'll, you'll, so, you'll, everyone's lining up to you asking the questions, right? Correct. Uh, right. Like so. Right. So now what? Right. So should I assume okay. I'm going to be? Assume I'm not going to be. Stop right here because I'm already dysfunctional. Or you know, like you know what I'm like. Yeah. I'm saying in a very like yeah. real way. Yeah, hundred like, percent. Life is a lot, and at what uh-huh. point is right. it? So that that's where the question starts first internally, oneself, spouse, and then outside. Are you right? I don't think it's a question which is going to be which can be answered quickly or easily. I think there are significant factors that are involved in that question, and and something which needs to really work through. Well, right isn't Hashem going to give you what you can handle? I mean, I know no, that I won't be able to handle no. 10 kids you didn't give me. It's, so why no, not? It's not, I don't, He's I don't, not going to give what you can handle? 
I don't think that that's our perspective. Because yeah, nobody can handle better than us. Right. right. So he right. will give you what you can handle. Right. So, so we also we also give you what you can handle. No, we also we also we, we don't we don't walk into the street and say, "Because Baruch wants me to die, then I'll die, and if not, I'll be saved." Right. Right. Uh, true. <laughs> true. True. It's uh, true. But but it's a, I mean, the, the, if he gave you ten, that means you can handle. No, created a concept called birth control was not something. It's not. It's not a new invention, by the way. Gemara talks about this. Right. This is around from times of Hazal. Right. It's not a new invention. Right? Yeah. I thought it was like nursing. Gemara talks about it. Yeah. yeah. Gemara talks about it. I always thought it was like I read a nursery no, for three no, years. No, That's no, what they had to do. No, it's the Gemara. It's supposed to be Gemara. Yeah. Yeah. It was around for a long time. There were different methods that were obviously there weren't pills, but there was the methods were there. And that means there are times and situations where it's either proper or mandatory to use it. Kashparuch who wanted that, Kashparuch who created it, Kashparuch who gave it to this world. There's nothing in this world by mistake, and therefore, it's just, when we are making a decision, we have to use the tools that Kashparuch who gave us to employ. And just to say whatever Kashparuch who wants to happen is going to happen. No, there's tools there that Kashparuch who gave to be able to think and to figure out exactly what. And when they where they should be used, and ignoring that, I think is taking something out of the the realm of what Kashbaruch wanted it to be, and taking it out of that. So, yeah. The Munamitachon really goes on both sides, taking it and not taking 100%. it. Hundred percent. Because a person can say like, oh, I can't handle it, right? And then they became pregnant, let's say, because Hashem said, Yes, you can, right. right? And they might still think like, I can't handle it, but Hashem then gives them the tools to yes handle it. So hundred like, percent. Right. That's what we call the God factor. Right. 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 One hundred percent. Right, right. It, it, everyone knows situations where someone was perhaps was using birth control and became pregnant on that, and it's not an uncommon scenario. It happens, and it wasn't a mistake. Right, no, it wasn't a mistake. Right, that's called the God factor. Right, that means God did, and that's what you mentioned before about we control. control. Right. right, exactly. We're still that, not in exactly, we're still not in control, and there's the, <laughs> right. the God, right. the God factor still exists. Right, but also really like the sometimes feeling. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Like, you know, like, I came out, I was like, "Oh no, I have another deadline, school deadline, kid." And I'm like, "What am I thinking? Like, right. there's not going to be they're born in the middle of the year, or if they're going to be super smart, they're born at the end of the year. Like, right. No checklist when they're born. Like, right. Like, yeah. Family planning. Um, when we talk about asking someone outside, like getting an outside, but what exactly does that mean? So, hopefully, every person has a place to be able to ask that question too. Right, a mentor. A someone who they can feel they can trust to discuss that I think as a couple with and be able to have an honest open conversation of what our lives look like hopefully someone who has a connection to already and be able to have an op- open honest conversation about how this looks what it can look like what it may look like and be able to really work it through and very often an outside perspective is very 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 helpful in terms of this question because we have a tremendous negus one way or the other. I'm so fascinated. I never heard of such a thing. 
Like, as a couple to go ask someone, like, should we have more kids or not? I, I've done this hundreds of times. <laughs> hundreds of times. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's uh, fine. That's okay. Yeah. I've never heard of such a thing. Okay. Is it is it is necessary? It necessary that it needs to be passed by a rep? Like so, it, it's it's it, that's a that's a great question. It's, it's a great question. Um, is it is it? It depends. It depends. In inherently, um, the answer is maybe because if it's something which is clear to me, right? So you know, it, it's all well, we have. The, we gave the parameters just now. I right? think the basic parameters. Sometimes sometimes that's very clear, right? One way or the other. So it's hard to say a person has to ask a Shiloh then. It's clear to me, right, one way or the other. But when there's a haziness, or I want to make sure, or I'm not clear, I think that's where it would make sense to have an outside perspective in terms of is this appropriate or not. I don't think necessarily has to be rough per se. Right? If someone has a, a, a mentor who, they, who knows them well, knows their family well, knows their dynamics well, and they can give a perspective in terms of what they think, then it's also very, it can be very helpful. Right? So it's hard to say this is a... It's not, it's not a bust of a hall of Shiloh in that way, right? It's more of, of a Shiloh in terms of perspective. It's a Hashkafic aspect, very, very tied to halacha, very tied to Hashkafa. So very often the, we'll call the rabbinic aspect of that which can be helpful in terms of the Hashkafa and halacha. But sometimes it's clear. So the same way as a person knows the halacha that when a spoon falls into a, you know, a delicious spoon falls into a cold thing of milk, right? Yes, you have to shy, you have to ask Shiloh on that? No, you know the halacha that you went to the Shabbos here and you found that that was okay. So you know that's fine. Right? So, okay. So, you know, we know it's okay from else, elsewhere. Whatever. Right? Right? Whatever. Right. So, wherever you know from, so then, then it's, it's, it's clear to you that that's okay. That's fine. So, I think the same thing over here. Right? It's, uh, it's our clear is blurred. Hundred, right. so, Very okay. often, our clear is uh, 100%. And that's we have to be honest with ourselves and have a perspective in terms of being able to know when we're 100%. 100%. Okay, I'll do one more question. Something different. Okay, this actually came from last night, so we'll just end off with this about showing affection in front of children. Right, this was discussed last night by Rabbi Feldman, whose his husband went to that, that, that um, shir. So he discussed about this, and is that appropriate, not appropriate, in terms of a husband showing affection to the wife in front of children? And I want to add to this question, maybe this wasn't part of the question, but outside that as well, and just in, in any level of public, where does that begin, where does it end, how, do, how is our approach in that? So there's a that says that to show chiba, chiba, which is, means affection, the rabbim in public is aser. It's a, it's a halacha and shachanach. What's the idea behind that? What, what's the understanding behind that halacha? So it's, the first to explain is that the connection, the relationship between husband and wife is something which is extremely, extremely special and personal and intimate. And as soon as someone else is brought into that we'll call that relationship, it's no longer intimate between the couple. Now it's intimate with everyone, which means by definition, it's not intimate anymore because it's impossible to have a relationship with three people, right? Two people is a relationship, three people is a crowd. And therefore, the Shachanarach says that once 
it's going to be anywhere in, a, in, a, in the public sphere. It just shows and takes away from the uniqueness, the specialness, the beauty, and the intimacy of the relationship. And that's why what we call chiba buravim, to show a level of affection in public, is not something which is, it's not something halakhali, which is acceptable, and that's clear on the shacharach. That's, that's explicit. When it comes to children, children's not buravim, that's in your house. That's in your own home. And the person's own home definitely is not what the halacha was talking about. The follow-up question to that, okay, so it's not that halacha, which is referring to chiba barabim, but is it something which is appropriate, is something which is acceptable? How do we view that in terms of halacha? So the point that Rafael made, and the point which I've heard from, from many Rebbeim as well, is that it is very important and, and healthy for children to see affection between between husband and wife, and wife and husband. No, well, I got that. We got that in a second. Okay, that affection affection is not necessarily physical. Affection could mean right, to be cherished, to be loved. All those things that there is there is, and that doesn't necessarily happen. It doesn't need to happen only through physical. Right? There's there's many ways where that is expressed and shown between husband and wife, and children should certainly be exposed to that to see that, and the children should always have that feeling that their parents have a healthy, dynamic, deep, intimate relationship. Right? Obviously, a, there's a point where it's inappropriate. Right? When, it's, when it's the point that it's, I want to um, differentiate between affectionate and intimate. Right? There's, those, are, those are very, very different worlds. Right? To be intimate in front of a child is not appropriate. And anything which is in the world of something which would fit into the definition of what's intimate, no, that's not, that's not appropriate, right? That's something which is, again, even on the level of Shacharach, he's talking about Rabin, but there's a level of where it's supposed to be. It's something which is only between the couple themselves and not anything beyond that, up until and including children as well. But affection is certainly something which is not necessarily intimate. And that is that not just appropriate, that's healthy, that's good for the children to see. That can even include physical touch, right? physical interaction, but again, differentiating between affectionate and intimate. And I think we can easily just def- define for ourselves where that line is, and if it's something which is intimate that's not necessarily appropriate, something which is affectionate is appropriate. Again, the, the physical or, or, or not, I don't think, is the, is the cutoff point. It's the Affectionate versus versus intimate, and I think that, again the affectionate part of things is very helpful, healthy, good, and appropriate. And as long as it doesn't cross the line into something which is intimate, it's something I think which is very 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 good. I think very healthy, and and, and something which should, should, certainly should be um, should be practiced and and, and done. And, the, and children should feel that. Then we should make sure that children feel that there's a healthy dynamic relationship between their parents. I think that's something which is very important for the, for the children to feel. And they'll get that in many different ways. Seeing their interactions, seeing the way they talk to each other, seeing the way, right, it's not just physical interaction, the way they talk to and, and respect to each other, and like all those things which are hopefully the part and parcel of life itself is the way the children are picking up and seeing all the time. And that includes, you know, being affectionate with each other and feeling there's, there's, a, there's a level of, of connection to my parents, which is very special. Clear? Can we define the chiba in public? Like, 
Like, is that the same as in the house in front of the no. teacher? No, it's not the same. No, it's not, it's, it's, it's not the same. It's, it's very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is a difference. Um, I'll take a simple example of holding hands. Right, you can hold your hand, spouse's hand, in front of your children. No issue with that. It's not intimate. That's affectionate, right? Um, you, that, that, I don't think it's appropriate in public. That's affectionate in public. And chiba is not doesn't that's, chiba doesn't mean intimate. Chiba means affectionate. And chiba, even that level of again, it's it's once it's once it's once it's the level of relationship between that relationship shouldn't include strangers. You. Children in your house, that's, that's fine to include people in your house. That's not considered a, a contradiction to a relationship of, of, of affectionate. But outside, it is. So I think that would be, that would be an example. Um, again, even we'll call it non-physical touch could be inappropriate in public, right? A way of talking to a spouse, which, which would, would be, could be, could be crossed in the lines of chiba. Right. The Shavar is talking really about physical touch, but it, it doesn't have to be. It's really the, the type of connection or relationship that is supposed to be behind closed doors. I don't even mean closed doors, bedroom doors, but closed house doors that's not meant to be in the public sphere. So like if, if someone's taking a picture of you, like, like you can't get in like, and put your arms behind each other's backs and take a picture? Like, arms around each other? Or? Not like a hug, but like just like, you know, like... Take a picture. You know, I walk around with you. Is that yeah. is like does that come in the chasen calabos? Like, does it have to? Yeah, should it be a chasen calabos? Or like barely touching shoulders? You know, it doesn't know. Touching shoulders is not intimate. It's not right, affectionate. Like, uh, that's fine. Again, the, the, but uh, arms around each other, I think, is. Right, and I, I don't think. I mean, even though it's like a natural like pose you get into. Right. Like, Many like, of the chasen kalabik should have taken should not be um, should not be done. Right, should not, should not be publicized. I think it's, I think I think they're, I think they're even a shy of taking it in the first place because, right, very often depends who's around. Maybe it's just a photographer. It's not called Robin, but I'm not even sure if that's so true. Right. Yeah, I, I I agree. I don't think many of them are not. Are not. The ones who usually encourage them and push them are the photographers, and because right, because no 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 bones to pick with photographers, but they're usually the ones who, who and usually those pictures don't go anywhere, right? Or they shouldn't go anywhere, right? If they're hanging in a couple's bedroom, that's fine, but you know beyond that, um, hanging in the living room, I don't think is I don't think is appropriate, and those type of things, which are definitely affectionate, I think don't belong in the public sphere. One more question. I think it's in terms of this and also like general sneas, like in the house, like window shades. Where does like that boundary of like, I don't know, you're not going to walk around your house with your window shades closed all day long. Does that mean like, even if your kids are not home and you and your husband are home, does that mean you can't show any affection? Not talking about bedroom affection, just talking about general in the house and like your window shades are open. Does that? It's a good question. You know, it, it probably depends. Where your windows are, and, and, and you know, and, and, yeah, right, right. and how, and how, you know, right. Do you have, uh, I don't know, you know, if you have a big picture window, you know, it's probably very different than a you know window on the side of the house, like where no one's like, right. But Robin doesn't mean necessarily that it's, you know, but if it's in, you know, if it's a picture window in front of the house, and you're saying so, then people are passing it all the time. That's probably called Robin as well, and right? So, like, I don't know, wearing your pants versus a skirt, like. In the house, I think again it would depend on what the window structure is, and and you know if it's something which is clearly you know, no one should be looking at your window, but <laughs> but okay, it depends where the window is, it depends right, it depends what window we're talking about, and depends you know is it upstairs window, is it a side window, is it a front window? I think those all depend. 
And there's a level of sensitivity, which which we'll get to Richard next time. There is some questions about that, which we don't want to get to. Um, so something we'll get into sensitivity more than more than halacha. But you know, I think it would, it would certainly depend from that perspective where the window is and so what, what's exposed daytime, to. Like in the daytime, it's harder to see in from right. outside. Like yeah, these are all certainly. Your own yeah, I think these are all reasonable calculations. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When we talk about Vagravim, like, so let's say, similar to Chav's example, if I'm in my house and let's say I have a guest in my house or family is visiting, it's not just my kids. It's, I don't know, my parents, my in-laws, siblings. Like, I, I, how does that work so I, in I, terms of, like, in the, you're in the walls of your house? Correct. I, I, do think, I do think parents are similar to children in terms of, in terms of this halacha. I don't think it's called Barabim in, in front of your parents. I think that's very similar to your own children. Um, I, I do think beyond that, once again, the, you know, siblings and cousins, and, you know, it, it's a, at some point it leaves the realm of your close nuclear family, right? So I think parents, children, I think would be similar to that. Um, but I think beyond that, I think there would be right, something which... I guess, like, like, if, like, what the Shulchan Aruch was talking about, like, at what point, halach, like, does my house become rabbin? So at the point, definitely when you have strangers inside, there it becomes rabbin. It's not, right? it's not like a number thing? or like, I don't think it's a number thing. I don't think it's a number thing. That's why I even question, like, even the one photographer being there, if that's, you know, it's barabim. You know, it's someone, it's a stranger uh-huh. who doesn't really belong in that relationship that's there. So it's, it's hard to say... Okay, yeah, so it's hard to say the word Robin about that. It's one person. Um, but I don't think Robin is really a number game. I think it's really who the, who the people are. And if they're people who are strangers in your own house, I think that's, that's included in Robin then. It's, 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 public, it's, it's in the public sphere. Oh, I don't think people have strangers in their house. It's more like, like guests for a Shabbos meal. Like, no, so everyone here is, no one's a stranger. That's a stranger. No, that's, that's a stranger. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah? That's, yeah that's, Outsiders from the relationship. Right, exactly. Uh-huh. There, that's the public sphere, as opposed to the private sphere. So your own immediate family, children, maybe parents, that's, that's, that's your private sphere in terms of this. But once you go beyond that, I think that's already in, in the public sphere versus the private sphere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I ask another yeah, sure. almost related, a little bit related question? Yeah, yeah if I ask to go, please. Yeah. I, in terms of like, you, you mentioned a little bit like 